0: Now this morning I want to pick up on my New Year message that I preached on the 8th of January uh, where we set our verse for the year as Luke 10, 2 and 3 The harvest is plentiful but the workers are few Ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field Go, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves And I've called this talk uh, Wise Opportunists and all will become clear Now turn in your Bibles to Matthew 10 and verse 16 Matthew 10 and verse 16 my translation says this look I am sending you out as sheep amongst wolves hello there it is again it's there in Luke 10 and it's there in Matthew 10 this seems to be one of Jesus' sayings. One of God's common phrases. You want to know what God often says? He says things like this. Go, I send you out a sheep amongst wolves. And I, quite, I love it when the Bible does this. I love it when it repeats stuff. Because you can get, really get an idea about what God would say in certain situations. And you can start to understand God's personality and the way that he naturally responds. And I really love that. It's a bit like a, a husband and a wife. Uh, or, or being with a best friend. And when you spend a lot of time together, you start to predict what they're going to say in certain uh, situations. You can even almost finish, finish one, another, one another's sentences. And I think there's something lovely about when a relationship reaches that point where they're completely predictable. Um, and if you're there at a dinner party and they'll start that story, and they're in this with It's because we know each other well. Um, I like to be like that with God I want to know what God thinks I want to know what what sort of things God would say In any given situation And so when the Bible gives us a window Into Jesus' personality like this I think it's precious Mm -hmm. When Jesus is sending out his followers He wants them to know How they're to go out So in Matthew 10 The context is Jesus is sending out The twelve disciples To go to the towns and villages to share the message and the lifestyle and the power of the kingdom of heaven. And in Luke 10, Jesus is sending out the 72 disciples. What to do? To go to the towns and the villages to share the message and the life and the power of the kingdom of heaven. So whenever he's sending out his disciples to go to places, to reach new territory, to introduce new people to this wonderful message and life of the kingdom, he wants them to know that they are to go as lambs amongst wolves. Lambs in wolf country. Do you, do you like lambs? Yeah. Oh, I like lambs. I think that's go love lambs. <laughs> I remember, I can't remember what year it was, that the go-pals had some lambs and uh, George got to name a couple of them and he named them and Mary. Oh. <laughs> oh, like I've never been so honoured in my life. <laughs> We've still got A. Mary didn't make it. <laughs> but A's is still around. Apparently, he's a bit of a handful, he likes to sound his own voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know how long he's going to last. <laughs> Uh, Lambs can be that much more different to wolves, I suppose. They are not particularly aggressive. They're not particularly powerful. Um, They they haven't really got any teeth to bear, have they? And they can't run very fast. (laughs) They, In a way, they're a bit (laughs) pathetic. Um, They're full of joy. They're full of joy. What else are they? They're (laughs) cuddly. Be cuddly, people. (laughs) (laughs) What else are they? (laughs) Follow the shepherd. Oh, they follow the lead sheep as well, isn't they? Follow she? the lead sheep. Yeah. This is great. I'm a new message coming here. Hang on. Harmless. Playful. Playful. Harmless. Yeah. Noisy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lazy. Noisy. Oh, noisy. Be lazy. <laughs> <Being a lady. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can be noisy. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. You don't understand? They are all of those things. Jesus is saying, be like that. Be like lambs. Be playful. Be be gentle. Mm, Be full of life. Be defenseless. And be completely dependent on your shepherd. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, you're not going out looking for a fight. That's wolf behavior. Sometimes fights come to us and we need to take our stand in some way. That happens. But we're not to seek to dominate people or to get all territorial. That's wolf behaviour. Perhaps you see this most clearly when people get saved out of a gang culture. Gang culture is a lot like loot wolf behaviour. It's, it's vicious, you've got to be armed at all times, stuff and come out of the blue at any time. Um, and it's very territorial. People have their, their area where, in, in some of the gangs in the cities wonderful stories that come out of these uh, gang members, somebody gets saved and they go back in to speak to the gang members and they're of a completely different spirit mm. they go invulnerable because they're no longer carrying the same kind of protection and all the rest of it uh, and there's some tremendous stories about how God has just transformed people to be able to come out of that, that vicious world and then go back in there with an incredible voice and a sense of peace So, we're not to show our teeth, we're not to intimidate. We can't run very fast. If people or circumstances are determined to attack us, they might, and we can't do much on our own. That is how Jesus wants us to think of ourselves. So, do you think when Jesus was preparing his followers? in this way. He was preparing them for an easy time. (laughs) I think he was saying this is going to get hard sometimes. The Christian life is not just going to be a better roses, And you're going to feel very vulnerable and out of your depth sometimes. And you won't be able to deal with the same situations like the rest of the world does. Difficult. I think Jesus is saying that attacks can come out of nowhere. And that you're going to be a target. Does that sound good? <laughs> Has any of you ever felt attacked? Just like, you just feel attacked out of nowhere. But sometimes, you hit a time in your life where everything just seems to get hard. Everything goes wrong. It may be that you know, something goes wrong at work. The atmosphere breaks at work or you fall out in the workplace or... Suddenly something goes wrong. You have a change of boss and things change or whatever. Sometimes it's finances. You know, your car. Something goes wrong with your car, and all of a sudden there's, you, you know, you've got to pay thousand pounds out of nowhere. To get your car fixed, and all of a sudden you're under pressure. It could be health. One minute you're well, the next minute you're facing real struggle in your health or your kids' health. That can be hard too. If you've got kids and they get ill, especially when they take it in turns to be up at night, that's a nightmare. Or, uh, or, I don't know, your dog gets hit by a car and you've got a massive bets bill. Sorry, bets. (laughs) It can be hard. Anything. It could be that a family member gets all offended. Uh, And you end up with a big breakdown in the family. And sometimes when all these things come together in the same month, you can think, "What, what on earth did I do? to deserve all of this. Last month, everything was plain sailing, I was fine, everything's going well. This month, everything's going wrong. Our finances are going wrong, my health is going wrong, our relationships are going wrong, and it's very easy to start snapping at one another, <laughs> and you start realizing you're snapping at your wife, and you're snapping at your kids, and they're definitely snapping at you. Um, <laughs> and everything can go wrong, and you think, how on earth did I end up in this position? Hmm. What, what did I do? Uh, and you start looking around, i been cursed? cursed, there's a cassette tape in my road or something. <laughs> You yeah. know, or maybe I'm doing something right. I'm becoming so dangerous for the kingdom that the enemy's making me a target. Uh, but somehow it seems like beyond the normal, beyond normal circumstances, it's like everything is crowding in, and like, I can feel my mental health dropping. I can feel my—I'm like struggling now. I'm struggling to see things in a positive light. I feel under pressure. It's like an attack that comes out of the blue. Life can be like that, and it can come in all sorts of ways. Jesus said, go forward. This is wolf country. And you will survive it. But you need to do so like a lamb. So what does a lamb need for protection in wolf country? Shepherd. 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 Yeah. It's not rocket science. really. Has Jesus promised to be a good shepherd for his followers? Hmm. Yes. He's been pretty clear about that, hasn't he? He wants those whom he has sent out in his name to rely heavenly upon him for protection, for comfort, for care, healing, direction, feeding, you name it. He wants us to rely upon him. The lamb's chances of survival and success skyrocket when the lamb stays at the heel of his shepherd. Think <coughs> of a lamb in wolf country, and how much safer that lamb is at the heel of his shepherd than when they're wandering their own trying to deal with things in their That's the picture that Jesus wants to give us of how to deal with things in life. So, when you're mistreated, when you're misunderstood, when you're slandered, it's like people tearing strips off you. It can happen in families, workplaces, if you've ever been through a tribunal or a dismissal. It can even happen in churches. At those moments when you're under attack, you can choose to be lamb-like. You can choose to take a stand alongside Jesus and to know his security in your heart. And when you're secure in Jesus, and you refuse to fight back, and you can resist the desire to intimidate people or to turn and run, that knowledge that Jesus is between you and your problem and that the outcome is in his hands, makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. It really does. You can hold your nerve And you can trust him to bring you through. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And the way the Holy Spirit brings comfort and strength and hope at those times is just phenomenal. And you can't actually experience it without going through pressure. Mm. But I can tell you, the next time you hit pressure of that kind, the next time you feel that you're under attack, get close to Jesus and ask him to show you afresh what his protection and his strength and his courage looks like. And you'll feel, it's like a steel rod going through you, and where before you felt wobbly, now you can stand. The Holy Spirit will do that for each and every one of you, but you have to turn to him. You have to choose to stand with God, and it will make a huge difference in those moments. Now, I want to turn from... Lambs and wolves to snakes and doves. Look again at Matthew ten, sixteen. It says, Look, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. Whoa. So Jesus is saying, I want you to be like lambs and snakes and doves. You got that? but they're quite different beasts, aren't they? Mm. I don't know what you do with a passage like this. Whenever I come to a bit of the Bible like this, where it all seems contradictory, um, and I'm not quite sure what Jesus means, I always ask questions like, God, so which is it? Which do you want me to be? Do you want me to be like a lamb, or a snake, or a dove? <laughs> I don't know how God speaks to you, but normally he speaks to me with, with ways that make me stretch a little deeper. But like he would normally says something like, Yes <laughs> <laughs> So which is it? And it call me like a lamb or a snake or a duck? And wow, well, yes, OK. I'll go look, work out what each of these means. And so I've been doing a fair bit of work working out how snakes live and how dogs live and how lambs live. Um, to, to, to understand what it is that you're saying to me I kind of feel I understand the land being quite straightforward but snakes you want me to be like a snake why did why did God want to use a snake to teach us how to live that seems a bit counterintuitive biblically speaking to me um, but what is it about snakes that um, Jesus wants us to know do you like snakes no <laughs> does anyone like snakes <laughs> Oh, are alright. You it. I Did anyone see the clip on BBC yeah. with the racist names? Yeah. It's, it's, this has got to be one of the best natural yes. world chases I have ever seen in my life. This little one has just been born, literally just hatched and come out of the, the sand. This is in the Galapagos Islands. I felt like David Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> the same size aren't very good, but they can detect movement. So if that actually keeps its nerve, it may just avoid detection. Snoop Dogg no. I love that clip. I just think it's just, it is a near miraculous I feel a bit sorry for the iguana being born on that particular beach. What were his parents thinking? Um, I imagine that's the same cycle every year and they just keep laying the eggs there. Um, I imagine that as he's born, maybe some of you had a hard start in life as well. And you felt like you had to avoid a lot of pitfalls just to make it this far. And you are a testament to the grace of God. And maybe you're a bit of a miracle in the making as well. Um, and so if that's you. That's wonderful. God has been for you and protected you. Um, but, oh my goodness. I want you to... Uh, now, I, I mean, we're all British, so we're going to be on the side of the iguana there. Because we love the underwater. Um, but I want to imagine that that was just food and you're a snake. Because Jesus said, I want you to learn from the snakes, not the iguanas. Okay. What is it about the way a snake operates that Jesus wants us to learn from? Well, snakes are wise. He said, be be as wise or as shrewd as snakes. The Greek word there is uh, pronimos, and it can be translated as prudent, careful, cunning, discerning, thoughtful, Intelligent or sensible. So I've been reading up about snakes and it's fascinating uh, about the way they behave because they, they can be applied to us so well. The first thing to inspire us is that the way that snakes are incredibly patient. When a snake enters new territory the first thing a snake does will ses- suss out that territory and what's going on there. So they'll work out where the dangers are, they'll work out where the shelter is, they'll work out where the best Places to wait for potential opportunities to feed and to hunt. All of that takes patience and they take a long time to scope out their territory before there's anything else. They're also able to blend in to the landscape. They don't draw unnecessary attention to themselves and they can be still and alert for ages. Totally still. Mm that takes patience Jesus encourages followers to be like this in the context of mission and when you think about it there's real wisdom here be like snakes take time to explore the territory work out where there's danger and opportunities work out where there's places of shelter where the faith can thrive know your mission field how to pray for it and how to operate within it as we watch and pray God show us things that we need to see And like a snake, we need to immerse ourselves in the landscape. Immerse yourself in the culture. Become part of the scenery. Like a snake that blends in and doesn't attract unwanted attention. It's so important to establish good relationships and to share life with people so that we can be in the right place at the right time in order to share our faith. There is a place for short-term mission where we bang a drum and make lots of noise and Attract lots of attention. There is a place for that. But it's not at the expense of long term integral mission. Of actually just putting down roots in a place and becoming part of the culture and witnessing on a simple day to day basis. I remember when I was in Rwanda with Jonathan Conrad. Uh, we, in, we did this great mission there, and hundreds of people came forward to give their lives to Jesus and to receive prayer. It was just phenomenal. Jonathan, in that context, absolutely amazing. And everybody responded to him. Uh, people flocked from the villages all around us to come and listen to what this man had to say. And they, they heard the gospel in very simple terms. And they responded. It was amazing. And we watched people as they, they were healed and they were blessed. And um, then we left. We were there for, you know, eight or nine days. And then we're gone. Well, we, there's no way that that would be enough for that area. There were local pastors that we were working with when we went out there that were going to pick up from, from what we did, who knew that terrain like the back of their hands. When, when we went out with those pastors, they knew everyone by name. They would stop every few steps because they knew everybody. Uh, there's one in particular called Gilbert, who's just the most wonderful, gentle church leader. Somebody from my team that I was out there with went back the, a year later to try and see what happened. What was the fruit of that mission? And actually they could find very little. Because it kind of dispersed. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that God didn't do a lot while we were there. It's just you couldn't find. Every person that responded in faith to the gospel in that big mission campaign. Not everyone found their way straight away into a place of discipleship. Mm -hmm. So the churches didn't exactly fill up from that time. People responded. It was a key moment for them. But when we went back, there was very little that could be seen from what we did there. You didn't meet hardly anybody that had responded at that time. And that just says to me how important is it that there is that integral mission, that those faithful believers that are there witnessing the whole time, that know the landscape, that know uh, how things are and have those relationships. So we need to become like snakes in that regard. Become part of the landscape. Learn how to operate effectively within your region. But then I thought this could actually apply to the workplace as well, this is not just in mission terms. When you start a new job, it is wise to take a little bit of time to learn how that new, new work environment operates, isn't it? To learn how things are done, where to go, how to do things effectively, to learn who is it in that new workplace that you can learn from, and to be able to sort of move closer to those people, to be able to understand how to do the job better. Who is it that you need to steer clear of? There's normally a few of those in each workplace as well. Actually, who's going who's to be unhelpful to me here? And once you've taken a little bit of time just to be observant and just to suss out what's going on, become part of the team wherever it is you're operating, then you can work out how to be effective in your role. It takes time, and we need to be learners wherever we are. The wise are always learning. So that's the first thing. Be patient, be shrewd, be watchful... Be wise. The second thing we can learn from snakes is this. Know when to strike. That's one of the key things about snakes. And they know when to strike. Snakes have the ability to discern which creatures they will let pass by and which ones they're going to go after. They can be coiled, poised, and hungry and still let something pass by their nose without flinching. I find that amazing. Because sometimes they know it's not a good idea to take it. Some animals will be too big or aggressive, and the snake is likely to be beaten in the challenge. Some animals may look real easy and real tasty, but they've got a sting in the tail. (laughs) Snakes have the ability just to let opportunities go by, and I think this is an important lesson to learn, especially if you're impulsive by nature and you're a bit of a chancer, and you want a bit of a quick deal. There might be a few of us here. Well, speaking of someone who likes to take risks from time to time, I understand that a little discernment in a moment of decision can save a lot of heartache later down the road. How many of you have taken opportunities that look pretty tasty and then learned the hard way that it wasn't such a good idea after? Hmm. Have any of you had a horrible job that seemed like the best opportunity at the outset? Or maybe you've entered into a contract that you regret? Or have you taken out a bad loan have you bought a car that was a, a good deal, too good to be true, only to find out there was a lot wrong with it? Have you embarked on relationships that have seemed so perfect at first, but have then gone so bad and have left you smarting? It happens. Mm. Not everything is as it seems. But when you've been stuck a few times, you do get wiser, don't you? Yeah. When you've uh, been taken in with a few bad deals, Sometimes you, get, you begin to spot them a little bit a little bit better. You begin to read people a little bit better. And I think you get wiser. Sometimes we know how to let opportunities pass us by because we know it's not going to end well. So it is with mission. Not like every opportunity will turn out well. Some people and some ideas will be too big for you and will leave you exhausted and trampled. Some opportunities will seem really great, but they do have a sting in the tail. And they can backfire spectacularly. So, don't invite homicidal Satanists to your small group. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just exercise a bit of discernment. Some people need more time and more prayer before they're ready um, to come to faith. We need to be discerned. So, when planning things as a group, when planning things with your mission communities, Ask for wisdom to discern together before committing opportunity to opportunities. Ask yourself, does this feel like a God-given idea or just somebody's bright idea? Pause for a second and ask God to show you if there's anything you're not seeing and ask Him to close unhelpful doors. Is this something you do in your life? Do you ask Him to open and close doors? I think this is a great way to discern direction from God. Not every opportunity that comes past your nose is a good one. But some of them are really important, and you need to take them. How do you know which is which? Sometimes you need that that witness of God in your spirit where you've got peace over one thing and not over another. That is one of the main ways, I think, God leads us. Sometimes you're presented with two opportunities, and both look good. At that point, my prayer is always, Lord, close the door you don't want me to walk through. And it's amazing how the Lord can just take opportunities away from you uh, and make it really clear about which way you've got to walk. We've got to learn from the snake. We've got to learn which opportunities to take and which ones to leave. And then when then we've got to go with our gut, actually. We've got to go with our spirit. We've got to go with our conviction of whatever God says we should do. Because you see, the opposite danger is to hesitate too long. Yeah. To procrastinate. And before you know it, the opportunity is gone. The snake reacts with lightning reaction when that, when a perfect little shrew or something comes past his nose, it's not going to hesitate it's going to strike with lightning speed and with every bit of conviction, every bit of ounce of energy in its body, all of that co- coiled up strength and energy is released in a moment and they grab hold and they, they won't let go, they can possibly help it that, that, that picture of the, the strike of the snake is a, is a perfect picture for what it is to go after something and lay hold of it with both hands and God gives you an opportunity mm-hmm. are you a procrastinator have you let opportunities pass by in your life because you've sat in your hands thinking about it too long and you didn't do anything about it we've all let good opportunities pass us by I think well if you know that your your general uh way of being is to procrastinate, to sit on your hands too long, I want to encourage you to learn from the snake. You may only have a window of opportunity. Some of the opportunities that God will put in front of you will require a very quick reaction. And it's it's just the nature of how some opportunities are. They don't always hang around and wait for you. There's a story I want to share which I think illustrates this amazingly well this is uh, a guy called Rick Renner who wrote this book it's called um, Sparkling Gems it's a good devotional recommend it Um, he says this in 1993 I earnestly prayed and sought God to open a way for us to start a Christian television network in the former Soviet Union one day I received a phone call from the top directors of a national television station they asked me to fly to their city to meet with them and talk about broadcasting our television programme every week on national television. My associate and I jumped on the next available plane and we went to meet this powerful group of people who were making such an exciting offer to us. My heart was filled with anticipation. I wondered, is this the opportunity I've been praying that would happen? Is this really happening? Is God answering my prayer? I had a sense that something great and awesome was about to transpire. I could hardly wait to arrive at the meeting and to hear the group's proposal. I had already done my homework. I had studied the statistics regarding the full reach of the television channel about to be offered. I had spoken with pastors and churches all over the nation to see what they thought of that channel. My time of laying low and blending into the environment had given me knowledge. I needed, the knowledge I needed for the moment I stepped into that meeting with those television directors. I was equipped for this long-awaited conversation, armed with information and supported by the prayers of our partners. As the meeting began, the directors asked me, Would you like to broadcast your television program on the national channel and penetrate every single home in this nation? This is exactly what I had long been praying for and waiting for. The opportunity of a lifetime was sitting on the table in front of me in the form of a television contract, but I held my composure, not wanting them to know how excited I was at this chance to reach every home in the nation. I wanted to hear how much this divine door of opportunity was going to cost our ministry each month. The cost was much more than we had imagined, but I knew it was worth the money, considering the fact that our program would be broadcast into every single home in the entire nation. When I heard the price of the broadcast time, I felt a hesitation at first, a fear that we wouldn't be able to come up with the catch each month. Yet I knew a door had been opened before me that had never been offered to anyone else before. Only God could open such an incredible door for the Gospel. There was no doubt that he was orchestrating the entire event. I asked for a few minutes to be alone. When the television director stepped out of the room, I told my associate, I don't know where the money's going to come from to pay for but only God could have opened this door of opportunity. It's going to be a miracle payment each month, but I'm going to sign this contract right now before we lose this opportunity for the gospel. My head and logic said, don't do it. But my spirit said, do it now. In my heart, I knew it was the moment to strike and to seize this incredible opportunity. So a few minutes later, I picked up ink and pen and signed my name on the dotted line. (coughs) National television had fallen into my hands. Our programs would now be broadcast into the homes of more than 50 million people each week. Within days of signing that contract, politics radically changed in the nation. If I hadn't seized the opportunity at that exact moment, I would have lost it. If I'd even hesitated one week, the door would have been closed But because we seized it at the right time, our television program was locked into a contract that the government had to honor. As a result of acting at the right time, our ministry uh, and television program became one of the most powerful spiritual forces in that nation. Since 1993, when we first walked through that door, we've been impacting the nation with the apostolic teaching and ministry that God has given us, and countless lives have been changed forever. really great example, I love the way he even uses terms like lying low and blending into the background and knowing when to strike as well mm-hmm. it's a kind of snake language I love it. sometimes we need to have guts and gumption we're very good as Christians about being wise and careful and discerning, but sometimes we just need to have guts and gumption and go it's, it's part of the way God leads us and it's part of what God is calling us to be, like snakes. So there are moments to lay low, and there are moments to strike fast. And we need the Holy Spirit and discernment to tell the difference. I believe God is going to give some of us some open doors of opportunity to walk through this year. And my prayer is that we will know them when we see them yeah. That our, in our spirit will have a nudge of the Holy Spirit and we'll be able to act on that nudge even if we're going to have to ask questions later (laughs) finally I just want to say a couple of words about doves I understand God wants me to be a lamb amongst wolves, I get that I understand that God wants me to be a snake and I'm beginning to get that too, so how can we be as innocent as doves well the bible depicts doves as dependable And faithful, Noah sent out the dove from the ark and it came back with the olive branch. Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. They're holy, they're honest, they're sincere, they're clean, they're beautiful and white, and they're gentle and honest. Said honest already, they're honest. They don't have the cunning of foxes and snakes, do they? They're the opposite of that. Jesus says, be innocent as doves. No tricks, no hidden agendas, no compromises, no lies. God will never ask you to lie or cheat to serve Him or take the opportunities that He will give you. Yeah. If your boss asks you to lie, you politely say no. Yeah. Tell him you can't do it. It's just not what you're about. We've been talking a lot about opportunities, whether to take them or not. Well, this applies here. We have to be honest and faithful, dog-like, at points of opportunity. If you have to be dishonest in order to gain in some way, the opportunity is not from the Lord. Full stop. However tempting and reasonable it may seem to you, if you have to compromise your honesty to make a deal... May the Holy Spirit put a big red light in your spirit. You need to stop. It's not how we do things. That can be really hard. It really can. Sometimes it just seems the sensible thing just to kind of omit <coughs> saying something in order to get the deal done or whatever. Or to, to just, you know, move forward and gain something but in a slightly underhanded dishonest way these things is will, will approach each of us and all of us there's always an opportunity there's always an option um, and we've got to be so clear about this at the outset otherwise we will compromise in the moment I remember hearing Daniel Strickland uh, talk about how when she was in Russia as well second Russia story uh, she was in Russia when she was 19 for a, a year I think training in the Salvation Army and uh I remember her talking about this a couple of years ago. I tried to look for the talks so that I can get the the details really accurate, and I can't find it. I took about um, an hour trying to find this talk, going back through all the the talks, and I can't find this one. So the the details of this are going to be close enough. Uh, But she was in Russia, and she was working under this amazing dynamic leader. She, She describes him as a bit like Captain America. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and he, he was this authoritative, charismatic, uber-leader with great connections, and everyone just kind of said yes to everything this guy suggested. And he could open doors you know, all over the place, and he was just this powerful character. And then all of a sudden, another area that he was involved with, another big ministry, suddenly needed him and his attention. So he just all of a sudden flew out of this mission area they were in, in Russia. Uh, and left the little team there and the Salvation Army promised they'd send some a replacement so they were there waiting for this replacement and uh, uh, a couple couple of weeks later this person was going to come that was going to lead them and uh, as Daniel went to pick her up from the airport uh, this little old lady in Salvation Army guard steps off the plane and she was like, why? you can't, she can't lead us you know, compared to how it had been up to that point, she's like, why did you send us a little old lady? You know, what's she going to do? Compared to how this other guy, the mean things. Anyway, this was Ingrid Lindbergh. And in not too long a time, she suddenly realized that this little old lady had a lot more to her than she'd first given her credit for. That she was a little old lady with a lot of steel. And uh, she had the ability to take on absolutely anyone because she was so secure in her faith. But she described a time where they had to do this kind of convention in Russia where they were going to bring Salvation Army people from all around the continent together for this sort of convention. I don't know what kind of convention, I can't remember. But um, there's about 500 people that were going to come together from the Salvation Army. And they, so they hired this big hall, it was like an opera house just off the main square of the city that they were going to meet in. And uh, they arrived half an hour before the event. Uh, Danielle and Ingrid and their little team to set up. And the guy who was the security guard at the door basically said, I'm sorry you can't come in. Um, it's not available today. And they knew that they had booked it and paid for it and it was all paid, all paid up front. And so Danielle turns to Ingrid and says, Oh Dora, I don't know how to deal with this is Give me a minute, I'll be back in a second. And Ingrid says, What are you going to do? So said, Oh, I need to go to the cash point. This is how things work here. Everything works by bribes, whether you're a security guard or police or anything else. You just have, he just wants a couple hundred quid and it'll be fine. And uh, Ingrid said, Danielle, that's not how we do things. She's like, Yeah, but that's how it works here. This is this is just how it is. This is how everything works. If you want to get anything done here, it's fine. Just give me five minutes, I'll be back. Two, $200 from the cash point, we'll be in. It's not a problem. And she said, Danielle, that's not how we do things. We are daughters of the living God. <laughs> we are followers of Jesus. We don't do bribes. And she was like, Well, yeah, good luck without And Where are we going to go? We've got 500 people about to show up. So Ingrid, this little old lady, uh, goes up to the security guard and says, Now, listen here, young man. She said, We have hired this hall, we have booked it, and we have paid for it, and we're here to do our convention. Now, would you please open the doors? And he said, no. He said, I've got no record of your name. And he's waiting for his bride. So she said, okay, fair enough. We'll have it out here on the square. So she starts handing out song sheets to people. And of course, being so ancient, they have got a brass band with them as well. So the, the, the musicians start getting out their brass instruments. And they start warming up on their tubers and their trombones and stuff. And... Uh, people start coming around from all over the place trying to try and find out what's going on there's this huge crowd now gathering in the main square there's tubers coming out there's trumpets about, about to be played so everyone starts gathering around and people start putting their lights on looking out their windows all of a sudden the security guard gets conviction because he realises that this is going to cause a bit of a stir his boss is going to find out that he wouldn't open a hall for them because he was looking for a backhandler he's probably going to lose his job so, within five minutes of them getting their instruments out, he comes out, finds England, says, I'm terribly sorry, it's been a big mistake, you are on the list, what can I do to help you? And they go in, and they do the convention in the wall, rather than in the Russian winter. But that really spoke to me. That they got the same result. One way was by a dishonest way, and one way was by a powerful kingdom way. Um, But I loved Ingrid's conviction of that's not how we do things. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how wired that uh, dishonesty is in our culture. It doesn't matter how hardwired that is. It doesn't matter how rife it is in your workplace. It doesn't matter how much your family has operated like that up to this point. We have to take a step out of the way of the world of doing things and work out how we're going to do things as Christians. How are we going to do things as sons and daughters of the living God? And that means being innocent as doves. And sometimes that's really inconvenient. Hmm. But we have to make that choice. We have to carry that core conviction that always in the moment it's going to be really difficult. I want to be like Ingrid (laughs) Lindbergh. I don't want to be like a Captain America type. I want to be someone who's so secure in who I am that I can stand my ground And I can follow heaven's agenda no matter what. Yeah. Even if they don't see me coming. So, let's be clear. Like lambs, we are people of peace and God is our protector. Like snakes, we are to be wise and discerning and patient, but poised and ready to seize God-given opportunities. (laughs) And like doves, we're called to be holy and honest, even if it means upsetting other people or missing out on dishonest gain. I want to spend a bit of time um, just allowing the Holy Spirit to come and um, meet with us. I, be- I just believe it's, it's a, this is a good opportunity to realign ourselves with how we are to live our lives how we are to approach the world how we are to engage with things it may be that up to this point you've been out of sync with what Jesus is teaching you maybe you've not been that landline maybe you've been happy to intimidate others maybe you've been a little bit territorial in some way Jesus said let me take the fight on for you. Let me be your good shepherd. You don't have to be super powerful because I'm with you. Let me take on the fight for you. Just stay close to me. Hold your nerve. Maybe some of you have been a little bit beaten up by the attacks that come out of the blue out of nowhere. You just need to feel that sense that God is with you and that makes the difference your future is determined by the fact of standing by Jesus not by the fact that you've been a bit battered in the last season I believe there's, there's going to be people here that have lost confidence in making decisions that that you become procrastinators because maybe a few few decisions you've made have gone badly wrong and therefore because you've been burnt before you don't want to do anything again it may be in the area of relationships it may be in the area of jobs but actually you're very conservative now because you've been hurt before but there are fresh God opportunities that God wants to give you and they'll be different to the last time not every opportunity has a sting in the tail and you need to believe that God has good things for you so that in the moment you'll know how to, to reach out and take it mm. because God has given you something and so mm. Lord I pray that there would be healing for previous experiences mm. Lord God maybe some of you are too impulsive <coughs> and actually some of the ways that you operate can be damaging to you and damaging to those around you. You need to be willing to be patient. You need to be more discerning. And so Holy Spirit, will you give us that ability as well, to to know when to be still. To know when to be still and watch and be patient and get wise before we do anything. Show us which it is. Show us what season we're in. Show us when to strike and when to lie low. Our Lord, also, there'll be some of us here that have known that they are prone to the dodgy deal. That they've played the game in, by the unclean and dishonest way of the world because that's just how the game is played. When God has been calling you to say, Well, that might be how the game is usually played, but we're going to play it in a different Lord, I pray you give us each of us the conviction to do things in a godly way. Not the dishonest game. But Lord, you would keep us faithful to you as holy people, innocent as doves. And I pray we have the wonder of watching you open doors that would be impossible to open. going to invite the band to come up and to lead us in some worship, because I just want to give a little bit of time to continue to respond and to bless the Lord, but if there's something I've said that has resonated with you, you think, yep, I need, to, I need to get in line with what God wants me to do and how God wants me to be, because I'm a little bit out of step with that at the moment. I want to encourage you to get some prayer. Something about when we confess our sin, it is powerful to release us and to, to heal us and to set us free. Um, and we want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. So if we could have a few of our, our prayers of both sides, and you know how this works, just that take the opportunity to get some prayer while we're we're worshiping, um, and then we'll finish in a few minutes. Maybe let's stand. And watch it.